Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of Fam Church, and this is our podcast. Welcome to part four of our series called Selfie, where we look at the life of Jacob and the image that he tried to portray through his selfie. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Are you all nice and full after Thanksgiving? You all had your turkeys and spent time with great family, right? Yes. Well, I'm just going to put this stuff over here, if that's okay. All right, well, we're super glad that you guys are with us this morning. And as Pastor mentioned, I'm going to continue with week four of Selfie. And I'm really excited to do this, kind of honored to do this. And I would never dream of doing this without praying. So let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much today for being with us, God. And and Lord, right now I pray that as I speak um, your word, God, I just pray that they would be indeed your words, God, not my words. I pray you'd anoint them, that you would be with us, that you would change hearts and change lives, change my heart and my life, God. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the past four weeks, we've been talking about selfie. And today we're going to be looking at Leah and Rachel. And I know that Sam mentioned this a little bit last week, but we're going to be going a little bit deeper into their lives And um, we're going to be looking at how their story kind of personifies our own rejection and frustration and shows God's purpose through it all, through their struggle, and how God brings about beauty from ashes, from a terrible situation. Some of you may be sitting here this morning, and you're thinking to yourself, I've been there myself. I have a terrible situation going on, and how can God possibly bring about beauty from ashes? But he does it. We try to control and manipulate our future and children's futures and destinies because we have a selfie, an image, a portrait of how we think it's supposed to look like, right? We have our plans pictured, our future pictured. We try to manipulate, we take our plans and try to make them work into God's plans, but it's not supposed to work that way. We have a perfect fairy tale with a perfect ending, right? But are those God's plans or your plans? Maybe, just maybe, he wants to use your struggles, your trials, your persecutions to bring him honor and glory, and it's our job to make sure that happens. Let's look to Scripture for the answers and how we can help that to happen. God can make beauty out of your situation, I promise you. I promise you, I've been there myself. But we have to allow him to let, we have to allow him to work through our lives to make that happen. Let's talk about Jacob for a minute. We'll be in the book of Genesis, again, chapter 29 and 30. And here we're talking about his encounter with God at Bethel, when Jacob is on the run from his brother, because again, he stole his birthright from his brother. He arrives at the house of his uncle Laban. There he meets Laban's beautiful daughter, Rachel, and he falls in love with her. Laban agrees to let Jacob work for him seven years for her hand in marriage. So starting in Genesis chapter 29, and we're going to start with verse 9. Okay, so while he was talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. Verse 10, when Jacob saw Rachel's daughter, Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and waters his uncle's sheep. Verse 11, then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. 
And just a side note here, since a kiss was customary in that culture among relatives, we should not read anything romantic in verse 11. Because if you notice a few verses down that um, also Uncle Laban kisses Jacob, okay? So verse 12, he had told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. Verse 13, as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and he kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and, flesh and blood. After Jacob stayed with him for a whole month, verse 15, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Verse 16, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 17, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Verse 18, Jacob was in, lo was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Turn to your spouse right now and say, I'd work for you for seven years too. Verse 19, Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. And verse 20, so Jacob served Seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. Can you imagine working seven years in this instant gratification fast food society? Would you work seven years? Come on. Yes? Oh, that's a good answer, Mr. Paul. How about one, one year? Would you all work for one year? Some yeses and some noes. He obviously wanted to be with Rachel very much. He loved Rachel. And let's talk about these two girls for a minute, can we? Rachel and Leah. The Bible said Leah had weak eyes. No matter how you look at that, no matter how you translate it, this was not a compliment. <laughs> it's not a compliment. Rachel, on the other hand, she was beautiful, picture perfect, right? Beautiful in form. She had everything going for her. She was easy to look at, and Jacob was drawn to her beauty. And is that any surprise knowing that he had just stole his brother's birthright? It's kind of greedy <laughs> that he was drawn to her outward beauty. He was drawn, he valued his selfie, his own image. So Jacob, he works seven years, but on the wedding night, Laban tricks Jacob and gives him the older daughter, Leah, instead. After waking the next morning and discovering he has married Leah, Jacob goes to Laban, who agrees to give him Rachel also. Can we hold on right there? <laughs> Can you imagine how mad? I mean, I would be mad. I, th I would think I would want to tell my father-in-law off a little bit. I would be very angry. He just, it seems like, I don't know what words were spoken a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I would think that he would be so angry. So he just agrees, 14 years total. He agrees to work for Rachel. You want to look at your spouse again and say, I would work for you for 14 years as well. Any? Any takers? <laughs> I can't even imagine. Jacob the trickster had finally been tricked, right? The one that tricked his brother for his birthright had gotten a dose of his very own medicine. He reaped what he had sowed. He had gotten taken. So if you live a lie, you will eventually end up lying next to Leah. 
Your selfie, your image will eventually catch up to you. My main point today is going to be don't seek man's approval. Don't seek men's approval. If you get nothing else out of this, take that home with you. Don't seek men's approval. Now, I'm going to admit something to you guys, and I think most of you probably already know this if you've known me for any amount of time. I'm guilty of being a people pleaser. I like to make people happy. It's what I like to do. And, but I've learned over the past few years here at FAM Church that if you've got the right attitude and you do your work as if unto God, everything will fall into place. So it's not so much about seeking men's approval, but I, during this past week I was thinking about this message and I was thinking, when did this all start? When did I start seeking men's approval? When did I want to start pleasing people so much? And I was awake in the middle of the night, I think it was last Tuesday night, at like 2 o'clock, couldn't get back to sleep. And I realized the first time I can remember wanting somebody's attention or wanting, seeking somebody's approval, I was in first grade, and I was a military brat. Many of you guys know that already, too. I was on an Air Force base raised in upstate New York. And if you're a military brat, a lot of times you live amongst the military brats. I lived in an Air Force base, very close-knit quarters. You went to school together. You ate together. You went to parties that your parents, work parties that your parents had together. You lived together unless somebody was transferred off base, transferred to somewhere else. And so you grew up with these kids. And um, there was one little boy, blonde hair, blue eyes, the biggest blue eyes you could have ever seen. And he was my first real crush. And he was super cute, of course. Then later, Paul came along, so, you know. <laughs> but he was my first real crush. And being in first grade, I did what any other first grade girl I thought would do to get somebody's attention. I cut off a chunk of my hair, and I left it on his desk. <laughs> I don't know why at the time I would have thought that would have been, you know, something that would get his attention. He just came back to his desk. He looked at it. I don't think he even knew what it was. He was just like, what? And he wiped it on the floor. <laughs> and I was devastated. I was like, how on earth could this boy do this? What in the world? You know, and I'm like, I'm going to have to come up with a better plan, something more subtle, I guess. You know, so I went home that night, and I found out that my parents had actually wanted to take me and my sister shopping. And I couldn't wait. I couldn't believe it. Have you ever, have you guys ever heard of Ames Department Store? It's a store we had up north. Well, to a first grader, that was, like, awesome. We didn't care that every other person in school had that same outfit on. We were just like, oh, wow, Ames, I get to go shopping. So my parents took us shopping that night, and I walked in the store. And as soon as I walked in the store, I looked at this four-way, and there was a pink pair of pants. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, that's what's going to do it. I'm going to win Corey's approval with this pink pair of pants. I am going to look so great, and I have to have this pink pair of pants. And then um, my parents told us that we also got to get shoes. And for again, for a first grader of a military brat, that was a big deal, you know. We got to get shoes, too. Oh, my goodness. Cheap shoes, but we got to get shoes. So I went um, in the shoe department, and y'all can't laugh too hard at this, but there was this white pair of shoes, and on the sides where your Adidas or your Nike logo would be was this plastic strip of metallic. And so on both sides where your logo would be, there was this metallic strip, and it was like 
silvery, purple, pink, and I was like, those, those are the shoes with my pink pants. That's going to do it, you know? And um, so the next morning, I think you guys know where the story's going. The next morning, I got up, got dressed, feeling like a million bucks, okay? I knew that I looked good. I was going to stop. People, people were going to stop. They were going to look at me, and the world was going to stop. <laughs> it didn't quite happen that way. But, so I got up for, you know, and got ready, and I'm walking to school, and I'm walking down the hallways, and people are just passing, like it's a normal day. I couldn't believe it. I was so surprised. So I walk into my, in my room, and I'm thinking, surely the heads will come up, and they'll notice, you know, nothing. Not nothing. I was devastated. But we do that with men's approval. All that to say we, we try to do things to get men's approval. I tried to, tried to do things to get Corey's approval and to get people's approval, and they're the silliest things ever. And I know that even as women, we still do this. You'll get up in the morning, and your hair will come out perfect, your makeup, your eyebrows. <laughs> they come out perfect, and you're like, this Yes, I look good. Things will happen today. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And I know, I know sometimes we, we, try to, we try to get people's approval in the weirdest ways, but approval and achievement are terrible things to allow our life to be guided by. It's very tiring. Leah was not loved by Jacob, so she strove to win his love, not by buying clothes and things like that, but by bearing him many sons. It was a status symbol. She may have tried to doll herself up. We don't know that. But she strove to win his love by bearing him sons. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. But still, she was rejected. This is how she lived. Can you imagine living like this day after day, moment after moment? There are those here that, know, that also know the pain of rejection. Maybe you have worked so hard at your job and you've been passed over time and time again. Maybe you had a huge project or an event or, I don't know, um, some kind of thing that you had to do for your boss, and you killed it. You nailed it. You knew you nailed it. Everybody knew you nailed it. You didn't miss a thing. And your boss, nothing. Not even a thank you. So you know the pain of rejection like Leah. But in her rejection, in her rejection, God selected her to have a baby, something that Rachel could not do. She was fruitful. She thought that producing would lead to what she was looking for, her husband's love. Some of you are doing the same thing. I've done it. I'm guilty of it, of seeking approval. You were hoping that producing something, giving more, killing yourself to please someone will somehow buy happiness. But this thinking is wrong. If you think this will lead to someone's love, approval, or even God's love by working your tail off, you're wrong. You want to seek God's approval first. You want to seek his approval first by living your life for him, not by working your tail off. All right? Seek 
God's approval first, and the rest will fall into place. Can you even imagine how unlovely this woman must have felt? I mean, if you think about it, Leah was almost despised, wasn't she? If you woke up next to a woman that you didn't, weren't interested in, wouldn't you just be like, ugh, ugh. And here's this other woman, she's lovely. I'm sure he looked at her so differently than he looked at Leah. Tenderly, I mean, Leah's gonna notice these things. She's not stupid. She's gonna notice these things. We do this as women, too. Again, we do it constantly. We compare ourselves with other people. Oh, wow, she has great hair. I love that hair color. I got to find out where she got that box. (laughs) We can never measure up to other people. And I know guys do this as well, right? Oh, man, he's got a Harley. Look at all those tools. I wish I had tools like that. But can you imagine how Leah must have compared herself to Rachel? Rachel had Jacob's full, undivided attention. The competition must have been crazy. When they walked into a room with each other, I don't know if you thought about that. The jealousy, the anger, the frustration. I don't know, but I'm guessing that Jacob, you know, when he heard Leah talk, maybe he'd roll his eyes. He heard Rachel talk. He might have laughed at all of her jokes. I don't know. But there's a definite difference in how he treated her, I'm sure. But ladies, you know when a woman walks into the other room and maybe you're not too fond of her, the looks that you give, the attitude that might be thrown around, girl, (laughs) I can't even imagine what it was like. And let's not forget about Rachel in all of this either. She couldn't have children. She had what her sister wanted. She had everything her sister wanted. The love of Jacob. But she couldn't produce. Rachel was miserable too, guys. She longed to have children. She had to watch Leah produce and produce these beautiful children. She was miserable. If you're not careful, you'll spend your whole life envying people who are also dying on the inside. Just because they're selfie, their image is perfectly put together on the outside doesn't mean they're not fruitful and dying on the inside. Everything might be okay out here, but on the inside, they're dying as well. Rachel had beauty, and Leah had children but they were drawn to what the other had. Why are we always drawn to what the other people have, what other people have? Why is the grass always greener on the other side, or so we think? We're always envying. God was working in both of their lives, but it wasn't enough for them. Because they were so frustrated and dying on the inside, things got crazy on the outside, didn't they? In Genesis chapter 30, Verse 1, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, am I in the place of God? Who has kept you from having children? Then she said, here is Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me, and I too can build a family through her. 
So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. Jacob slept with her, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Verse 10, Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune. So she named him Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, how happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. The two sisters were competing so badly to try to please Jacob. In verse 8, Rachel actually says, I have won to be the one to make him the happiest. Anytime you tie happiness to another person's approval of you, you will never, ever be happy. She's not really happy, even though she says she is. She went from the thought that maybe my husband will love me to maybe the other women will see me. There's a big difference. When we don't get what we want, we try to manipulate. We try to control the things that only God should steer. Only God can steer these things. They used their maidens as well as some mandrakes to get what they wanted out of life. Now, it does appear that when Leah gives birth to her fourth son, she names him Judah, which means praise to the Lord. It seems she shifts her focus at this point to God to get what she is looking for from God rather than from her husband or any other person. It seems that she realizes that God accepted her. She realizes that her acceptance must come from God and not other people. She ceased from having sons, and it is possibly due to the fact that she finally found her contentment from the God she served. The Lord was better to her than having a hundred sons. Ultimately, though, if Leah could have seen into the future, she would have been amazed. Leah, the woman Jacob didn't want, the unlovely, the unloved, rejected, even despised, produced Judah, a son that would have never, ever been born, who ended up being in the bloodline of the Messiah. This story reveals that God had the last word not Laban, that God had the last word. The deceiver Jacob was deceived, and the despised Leah was exalted to become mother of, among others, the priestly and kingly tribes of Levi and Judah. The Savior was born out of the rejection of a woman that was unloved by Jacob. She felt like a failure. She felt like a reject. She felt ugly confused, and I'm sure heartbroken. But God chose to use Leah. God chose to use her. God used her. Leah lived most of her life in the shadow of her own sister. And so we're not talking about somebody that you see once in a while. We're talking about somebody you see very often. 
If you feel rejected today or like a failure, like your situation is too ugly, let God bring Jesus out of your rejection, out of your frustration, out of your failures, your flaws, your doubts. Let God turn your rejection into a blessing. Isaiah 61.3 says, and provide for those who grieve in Zion. And I believe that Leah was grieving. How could she not grieve watching the man that she wanted to love her look at somebody else in love with somebody else? How could she not be grieving? So it says, provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I feel like, like I said, Leah must have been grieving with watching the man she loved, ultimately loving her very own sister. She had to come to terms with her situation. She had to let God make beauty out of her ashes. We need to do that as well. We need to give our plans over to him and let him make a new image, a new portrait, a new selfie for you. He knows your greatest need. He knows what your image needs to look like. Let him paint your portrait. I want to play a song for you guys today. It's a newer song, about four months old, and it's been all over the place lately. But when I heard it on the radio... I felt like it was Leah's song, and in fact, it's many of our songs. And I wanted to play that for you guys, and as you're listening to it, just really allow God to work and move in you. The altars are open. I'll pray with you. We'll pray with you, whatever you want. But at the end of this song, I'm going to pray us out. But just let this song minister to you.
Thank you so much, God, for Leah's story, God, and how we can all relate to her story, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would believe what you say about us, God, that we would believe that we're children of you, that we would believe that we have power in your name, God, that we would go forward and we would proclaim that, God, that we would tell others about you, that we would live your life, God, that we would live the life that you have called us to, that we would be powerhouses for you, God. Lord, I pray that this word would um, affect us, that it would change us, God, and help us just to bring others to you, God. We're thanking you, God. Just work and move in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Fam Church podcast. Fam Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thanks again and have an amazing day.